such an amazing race, an amazing crowd. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then at the end, I hit this broken seat, but I could manage to get third. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 50 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who broke their saddle. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling home of the semi-pro cyclist and two quick reviews this week the first one my favorite podcast five stars by ag back from the u.s every week i anxiously await the new episodes as a relatively new racer i find the information opinions and thought-provoking conversations invaluable keep up the good work thank you ag back the second one, finally digging it. Five stars, DG Man 1964 from Australia. As a writer of 40 years, even I get something out of every show. The process of evolution requires your kind of stimulation. Took me a while to get into your show, but now I really appreciate and look forward to your weekly release, Roland Latour. I'm not quite sure what my kind of stimulation is, but I'm assuming that it's hard and fast. And thank you very much for listening and taking the time out to write both of those reviews. And a reminder, if you do like the show, please take some time out and write a review for me. Thank you very much. Now, the news this week, and there has been a hell of a lot of racing. National championships have been run and won. I'm not going to go into it because there are so many, but we will be seeing all of the new national champions in their jerseys at the tour. My favorite by far was Greipel's emotion crossing the line winning the German national title and I can't wait to see him in the jersey and rocking his customized bike. Now definitely roll on Latour because it is finally here. It is finally here. It is the time of year that everybody in cycling waits for. It is of course the biggest race there is. The Grand Bull. The lap of France. Now All I'm going to do is break down my predictions so you can hold them to me. Plus, I also want to know your predictions. You're probably in a fantasy league because there seems to be like every single website and magazine has their own fantasy league. Let me know who your picks are over Twitter. I definitely think for the polka dot, it's anyone's race as per usual. You know, it can come from a breakaway and then someone just defending till the end of the tour as was the case with Simon Clark in last year's Welter. And again, I'm going to say Simon Clark this year, and definitely it's a long shot because it's his first tour. But i got to say, I think he'll be aiming for at least breakaways in the hills, which could put him in a position to earn points. So he's going to be my long shot for that. Green, Sagan. I can't go past Sagan. I know Cavendish is absolutely smashing everything at the moment, but the head-to-head battle won't just be on the flat, and Sagan knows how to climb, and he's shown that this year up until this point, and I know he's been training for it. So that is where I see the race for Green being won or lost. And yellow, barring incident, Froome Dog. How can you go past Froome Dog? All the signs are there. Sky has done it before. I don't see anything else changing. They've got a very strong team going to the tour. It's really the race for second, third, fourth, and fifth that's the most interesting at, the, at this stage. And i got to say, a little bit of heart overhead crept in here. I'm going to put Cadell second. I do believe he's got a chance at beating Contador because not only Contador's form leading up was quite poor, but... 
He's just a consistent performer in tours and he puts himself in a position even if he doesn't necessarily have the fitness to win. But I do think he's going to come away and he's going to put everything in him because it really is his last opportunity to do well in a tour as a leader, if not just full stop. And just quickly, my preparations for Le Tap de Tour are going very well. I'm happy with where I'm at. I will be away this time next week anxiously waiting the few days to build up to the ride on Sunday. Check out my Instagram if you do want to see any pictures from my European tour this year. And one final thing, and this is just a little bit of a bitch for all of you Americans out there, I cannot train at the moment on the only good road in town because Obama is here for three days and he has locked down the entire road. So that's my little complaint and little bitch to you, but I'll figure out a way to get some rides in. Either way, I'm totally looking forward to getting to France and super excited about hitting those mountains and seeing what I've got. Rounding out the news this week, some mountain bike news. It was round three of the cross country at Val di Soleil in Italy. And reporting on the two Aussies that I am following, Rebecca Henderson came second by 35 seconds in the under 23 women's. She is still leading the World Cup points in that category. And the men's, Daniel McConnell had a great race coming in sixth, which is an absolute awesome effort considering he went from first to like 18th and now he's back down to sixth. It's showing something is working and I'm hoping he's going to keep moving up. But when you look at the names that are in front of him, Scherter, Absalon, Kalabi, they're all guns ahead of him. So it's going to be a tough task, but one I definitely look forward to watching. So let's move to the nuts and bolts this week. And what I'm going to discuss is everything that a cyclist should know about massage. As semi-pros, we definitely know what massages are. After all, that is why we shave our legs, right? Yeah, right. Massage, to me, it really is still a luxury and an indulgence. And I use it very, very infrequently. With the rise of mobility information, I really feel that I have most of my major movement issues covered, but it still has its place. We all know the pros get them all the time, and maybe you sneak them into recovery or prep as well. But moreover, there really seems to be a lot of false information floating around about the reasons surrounding why we should all be getting massages on the regular. So I'm here to address those and talk about the types and the timing. So let's get stuck in with the types. The classic one for cyclists is sports massage. It's also called manual therapy. So it's a physical treatment primarily used on the neuromuscular skeletal system to treat pain and disability. It most commonly includes kneading and manipulation of muscles, joint mobilization and joint manipulation. That sounds familiar, right? Because it's not just masseurs that are using them. This type of manual therapy you can get from physiotherapists, chiropractors, and it's where you specifically direct manual force to the body in order to improve mobility in areas that are restricted, in joints, in connective tissues, and in skeletal muscles. So it really is the skilled hands-on version of mobility work that I have brought up and spoken about 
in length. It's all about solving specific issues that may be plaguing you rather than just a general approach to your entire body. Next up is deep tissue massage. Now, deep tissue massage is designed to relieve severe tension in the muscle and the connective tissue or fascia. This type of massage focuses on the muscles located below the surface of the top muscles. So it's not superficial just rubbing of the top muscles. It's actually getting in there deep. And it really is recommended for cyclists because it helps out with anyone involved with heavy physical activity and it's not uncommon for receivers of deep tissue massage to have pain replaced with new muscle ache for a day or two. It's deep and it's hard. You're getting your elbows and your forearms into the mix. A deep tissue massage is applied to both the superficial and the deep layers of the muscles and other structures and the sessions are quite intense and often have you banging the table and screaming and begging for mercy. It's really, again, focused, deliberate work. And one thing I do want to say about the term deep tissue, it's often misused to identify a massage that is performed with sustained deep pressure. Deep tissue massage is a separate category of massage therapy used to treat particular musculoskeletal disorders and complaints and employs a dedicated set of techniques and strokes to achieve a measure of relief. So again, it's going to treat a specific area that you might have problems with rather than addressing your entire body. So moving on to trigger point therapy. Trigger point therapy involves deactivating trigger points that may cause local pain or refer pain and other sensations such as headaches in other parts of the body. Manual pressure, vibration, injection and other treatment is used to apply to these points to relieve myofascial pain. This also relates to mobility work, specifically getting on a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball and using your body weight to put pressure onto a sore spot and it will pretty much just have the same effect. The difference is that you have an expert doing the work and they know what they're looking for and they can find those spots. So closely related to Trigger Point in the way it's all kind of been bundled up together over the last two or three years, I'd say in anything that I've been reading is myofascial release. And it refers to the manual massage technique of stretching the fascia and releasing bonds between fascia and the muscles with the goal of eliminating pain and increasing range of motion. Myofascial release usually involves applying sheer compression or tension in various directions or by skin rolling. If you check out episode two, I did do my take on self-myofascial release, but this is where the roller comes in handy to separate out those crusty layers of tissue. And again, you're working on specific trouble spots here. And the final one I want to bring up is Swedish massage. Swedish massage is a pretty funky one. I don't know whether you've ever had one yourself, but there's a lot of slapping and moving and kneading and gliding. It's pretty cool watching your muscles get worked over the way they do in a Swedish massage. And it's really helpful in reducing pain and joint stiffness. But this is more of a general massage. This really is only something you're going to get as a relaxation or just to gently go over your muscles rather than work on any one specific area. I was actually subjected to two days of Swedish massages, so I feel that I'm an expert in this. It was at a massage training school where I had to get constant massages for two days. And I got to tell you, it really was hard work, but somebody had to do it. Before I move on, I do want to say there are a lot of varieties of massages and spending a lot of time in Thailand myself, I do get a lot of Thai massages, but the $5 an hour ones, they're only really good for relaxation. The point generally with massage and cycling is to work on some areas, but there definitely are other reasons. So the next question I'm going to answer is why? Why would you want to get a massage and why is it important to cycling performance? 
Other than relaxation, massage therapy has numerous benefits for athletes. Believe it or not, though, it's only recently that studies have started being done on what rubs actually do for your body. So aiding recovery is definitely a biggie when you're thinking about the reasons to get a massage, but it may or may not be for the reason you've always been told. Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky is a researcher and author of a study that was completed at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. The study was published in February 2012, and him and a co-author, Simon Meller, performed muscle biopsies on legs of healthy young men before and after exercise and a third time after massaging one leg in each individual. Now, that is absolute commitment to the subjects that went through this test. Hats off to them. But the team began comparing the tissue samples from his subjects' massaged legs versus the tissues from unmassaged legs. They found that the massaged leg had reduced exercise-induced inflammation by dampening activity of a protein referred to as NFKB. Additionally, massage seemed to help cells recover by lifting another protein called PCG1-alpha, which is responsible for producing new mitochondria, the small organelles inside each cell crucial for muscle energy generation. With the addition of other proteins all contributed to muscle recovery from massage, this new evidence somewhat refutes the popular belief that massage eases pain by helping the body clear lactic acid concentrations. In fact, the team saw no effect of massage on lactic acid concentration. The excellent website Save Yourself has this to say about this popular belief related to toxins like lactic acid. After spending time looking into it, it simply is not true or really even possible for a massage to flush out toxins like lactic acid out of your body. How are they going to leave? If you have any toxins in your body, those are going to leave by means of sweat. They're going to leave when you urinate. They're going to leave when you defecate. Uh, They're going to leave if you throw up, but they're not going to be squeezed out by a massage. So let's just stop the insanity and stop making false claims about toxins and massage flushing that out. Just like Laura Allen says. Okay, back to the study. It's believed to be the first work on a cellular level basis to document the true effects of massage on reducing inflammation and helping cells recover. So it's a pretty big deal and it's really interesting that they are able to do this and I'm going to keep an eye on this to see where this goes in the future. From a cyclist perspective, this study confirmed what most of us thought we knew all along. So a massage is not going to flush out lactic acid from your system, but it may help you with reducing inflammation. And that is one big fat reason right there why you should get a massage. But regular massage can also help manage and prevent injury by bringing awareness to areas of the body that are not functioning or responding as efficiently as possible. If the therapist understands the nature of the various injuries or dysfunctions, they can treat the athlete accordingly. Think of it more like body maintenance with a professional running their eye over you rather than just taking guesses yourself. But having a massage therapist that you go to really takes a commitment though because the real benefits arise from frequent massage therapy and from working with a massage therapist that understands sports massage and your body. I believe that if you are serious about your sport and performance, it's essential to integrate massage therapy into your training program. Now, I know I don't do this myself. There are, of course, financial and time restraints, but if you are deadly serious about it, then I do see a massive benefit for having someone 
go over your body regularly. The ideal frequency for massage therapy is twice a week for an elite athlete, once a week being the minimum. For a semi-pro, it would be once a week to once a month based on your need. In coaching, one of the key components to success is a strong athlete-coach relationship built upon trust and effective communication, as it is key to establish a relationship with your massage therapist, so he or she not only gets to know your body, but also is able to work out with you what type and depth the massage should be for when you need it. Whether it's a microcycle, just a week, or an entire training cycle, you're going to get the best benefits from massage if it is periodized. And when you integrate it into your yearly plan, you will really reap huge benefits. So your therapist should be in tune with your body and should have the experience to know how much is beneficial at the right time. But timing itself is a little tricky. It would be good to have an understanding of when you should fit it into your training weeks as well and not just relying solely on the therapist to make these decisions for you. And the best time to do it during training weeks is on, firstly, your recovery weeks. So this is a larger cycle where recovery weeks are a good time for more specific work. If you place it on a day that you're off the bike, traditionally that's a Monday for most people. So if you're on a three-week on, one-week-off schedule, that's a rub once a month, which is kind of reasonable financially and as a time commitment. So after a block of hard riding, after a hard weekend of riding, it just sets you up for the rest of the training week and definitely expect to feel muscular tenderness until Wednesday or Thursday, but by the time the weekend rolls around, you will be smashing it. The one that's most relevant to me right now is timing before a big race. And because I haven't had regular massages or I don't have a regular massage therapist, it's a bit tricky because I don't know how my body is going to react. But in a competition week, it really is all about what works for you as an individual, just as it is with a taper. So the best pre-race massage needs to be timed carefully. The massage should be taken close enough to the race in order that the full benefits of the deep tissue work are realized during the actual race, but not so close that the post-massage muscular tenderness remains and hampers your performance on the day. That does sound obvious, but it just has to be said because it is quite normal to experience muscular tenderness following deep tissue work. The realignment of deep muscle fibers is painful and the pain may last up to 48 hours after the session. Every athlete's body responds differently to massage. You don't want to find out the week before the race that the deep tissue work makes you uncomfortably sore. If you were going to do it, I wouldn't risk it before a big race unless you have had a practice run at another time before your A race. If you must get a massage within a few days of your race, keep it light as in Swedish massage. What is really interesting here is just before a race isn't the time that you should expect the therapist to work miracles. It's not the time the day before the race that you should be thinking about fixing any issues created in the previous week. It's really time face down on the table and it's really just for calming nerves and not fixing serious problems. Bringing up another study that found the psychological benefits alone might be worth the investment. There was a study in 2001 that found athletes with a regular massage routine were twice as likely to finish their race goal than athletes that had no body 
body work done. This may be because massage has been found to aid psychological recovery from intense efforts like long rides and significantly increased perceived performance, even if no actual performance boost was found. So that's where a Swedish massage, just a general all-over body rub may feel good. If you're traveling to an event and you want to get a massage in a new city, you have to research the therapist before you leave. You've got to ask about experience. What's their primary clientele? How many years have they been in business? What's their speciality? Look for the offices with therapists who specialize in sports, clinical, and rehabilitation massage. All of that information is just as useful if it's your first time looking for a masseuse as well. Before I do round out all this talk on massaging, I do want to say there is a point just before a race where having a rub on your legs can be beneficial just to warm up the tendons and the muscles, but not going overboard. It can be part of an embrocation ritual that you would do before a race and so it warms up your entire system. It's really just a touch-up and no more than probably five minutes of just getting down and dirty but most definitely overall if you want to have a look at combining it into a training program then there's going to be benefits for someone checking you. There's going to be benefits for recovery and inflammation management. Also having that experience with a therapist that knows you and you know yourself better. So when it comes to big races, you know what the best way to get the most out of your legs is going to be and it's not just going to be a gamble or a guess when it comes to working massage into those final weeks in the taper. So the tech hacks and product section, and this week it's a product from restdevices.com. It's a sleep shirt, and with the rise and rise of self-quantification is coming more and more cool products that I totally get into, but the sleep shirt is a t-shirt that has sensors in it that can record and diagnose your sleep. It contains two thin film respiration sensors These are non-contact sensors and they measure the movement of the shirt and the body throughout the night and provide a complete signal of your respiration. It's completely washable and it requires no user preparation. There are no sensors or electrodes to attach. The shirt has gathered respiration data for a night. Your data is uploaded to the servers of the company. Then they perform in-depth analytics on your sleep where respiration alone can determine not only if you have apnea, but how long and how well you slept. So Check it out if you're interested in it. I think it's pretty cool. It's similar to the defunct Zio, but that was a headband that you'd wear on. So a shirt might be more comfortable and a little more socially acceptable when you're sleeping next to your partner or just the person you brought home for the night. Now, that quote from the top of the show, it's Marco Aurelio Fontana. I've got to apologize for my Italian there, but Marco is the XEO rider for Cannondale that was the bronze medalist at last year's Olympics. And right now he's on my radar for wearing shorts or like he calls them baggies. He claims it's a style thing. He's not a fan of Lycra and he does have different colored shoes. So it says a lot about him. But what do you think of baggies? Are they the future of cross country racing? Call me old fashioned, but for me, It's a little boardies versus speedos and boardies for play, speedos for speed and skin suits for going all out. And that's it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 